everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We are happy to have with us tonight first-year head coach at Clemson University, Robbie Weiss. While this is Coach Weiss's first year as a head coach, by no means is this his first rodeo in coaching. He most recently came over to Clemson after having spent three years as the assistant coach at Alabama. As a player, Coach Weiss won his high school state championship in Illinois at the school where I currently coach at. Shout out, Glenbrook North Spartans. He also won the NCAA singles championship while he was at Pepperdine. And while on the pro tour, he had wins over guys named Becker, Edberg, Lendl, and Rafter, who all were number one in the world at one point. Please welcome to the pod, Coach Robbie Weiss. Coach, thank you so much for, for doing this. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be here and I'm happy to join you today. And uh, I know that we have uh, something in common. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring you back down memory lane quite uh, memory lane quite a bit, and and like I said, I know you've had wins over the likes of Becker, Edberg, Lendl, and Rafter, among many others. But I mean, come on, a beautiful spring day in high school tennis in Northbrook, Illinois, typically <laughs> forty-two degrees, thirty-five mile an hour winds. We may even have some mist going out there. Not quite enough to stop tennis, uh, but. Uh, Take us back to your days at Glenbrook North. First of all, shout out. I got the gear on right now. So yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I grew up in Northbrook, Illinois, and played my high school tennis at uh, Glenbrook North. And um, my first year as a freshman, I played doubles. Uh, my brother played singles. Uh, he was a senior when I was a freshman, and we were fortunate enough to win the the high school team championship that year and my brother won the singles championship so it was a it was an exciting year for us as a family and uh, uh, the the team championship came down to uh, my doubles match um, and I was a freshman playing with another freshman against two seniors and uh, I, I just I mean it was a long time ago but I do recall it was it was very exciting it was a lot of fun some great memories. Um, and then the following year, I played uh, singles as a sophomore. My brother already moved on to Northwestern, and uh, I was able to win the, the singles championship my following year. And then um, that, was, that was it for me at Columbia North. But had a, had a great experience there and uh, have, have fond memories of my days back in Northbrook and Columbia North. Awesome. And, and just so you know, we, we've tried to keep you proud of the program. We've had some pretty special years. We've had state championships. Uh, team championships in 1999 and 2006. We had a singles champion, I think, in between that year. Um, and then most recently, from 2015 through 2017, we were loaded and we were playing for the highest of stakes, whether at the team uh, team stakes or individual stakes. And, Fantastic. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to keep you proud, and it's so fun <laughs> when, when you're playing at any level, obviously, for the highest of stakes. It's competitive, it's stressful, but it's that fun type of stress, which... Uh, yeah, it's a, lot, it's a lot of fun. Well, congratulations on all your success there. Thanks, we're trying. And then, obviously, beyond high school, you had an incredible junior, uh, junior career. You won junior Wimbledon doubles. You were a winner of 13 national junior events. You were runner-up in, in 12 national junior events. You won the 12 and under Orange Bowl. You were the runner-up, 16 and under Orange Bowl. Safe to say you're recruited by some pretty uh, top-notch schools. And I know, as I said in the intro, you wound up going to Pepperdine. You won the NCAAs in Pepperdine. But there's a story that kind of brings you back to where you actually are today at Clemson University. So yeah, uh, tell I, I, us that. I, uh, yeah, I, you know, going through the recruiting process, it's, it was very different back 
1984, when I was being recruited, it was uh, not like it is today. You know, very few coaches at tournaments, uh, very select coaches contacting you, didn't really get bombarded with tons of coaches like players are today. Um, but I, I zeroed in on Pepperdine, Clemson, and UCLA were my three schools that I was looking at and uh, really wanted to go out west. Um, so really, I, I, you know, my, my gut was saying go out west. And uh, I took a, a recruiting visit out to UCLA and Pepperdine, um, loved them both. Um, and then I took a recruiting visit out to Clemson and really enjoyed my, my time there as well. And so I decided that it was going to be between Pepperdine and Clemson. Spent a lot of time you know, going back and forth, it was a very tough decision talking with the family. Um, and we finally over dinner decided, you know, Clemson's going to be the spot that I'm going to go to. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll call the coach. I'll co call coach Creasy tomorrow morning and just let him know that night at 10 o'clock, I get a phone call from coach Creasy. And he said, Robbie's like, I can't wait any longer. I've decided to give your scholarship to Jay Berger. And uh, Jay went to Clemson. I picked up the phone and called Alan Fox at Pepperdine and said, hey, Alan, I'm coming to Pepperdine. Um, you know, I, I had a great career at Pepperdine. I loved it. It was, uh, you know, for the best years of my life. I, I really enjoyed my experience there. Uh, Jay had an incredible career at, at Clemson, went on to play on the tour. I think he was up to number six in the world, Davis Cup captain. So he had an incredible career as well. So it worked out well for both of us, but it's interesting that, you know, 30 years later, I'm back here at Clemson as, as the head coach where I was supposed to be here as a player. So I, I'm thrilled to be back here. I, I absolutely love Clemson. I love the area. Uh, it's an incredible university and uh, feel incredibly fortunate to have the opportunity to, to lead this program. Unbelievable how life works itself out like that. It really is cool. And thanks for sharing that story. And like you said, it obviously worked out. Um, for both you and Jay, you had an unbelievable career at Pepperdine. I mean, your your senior year, not only did you win the singles championship, but you went 55 and two. That's a heck of a lot of matches to play <laughs> in one year. Yes, so it um, was a a different time as well, where the limits were a little different. We played a lot of matches, um, and we were, we were very very busy. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was a great year. I I had a. I had a, a tough freshman year. I, I played six as a freshman, um, and the player above me, Martin Lorendo, who was the Davis Cup captain for Canada for many years and Shapovalov's coach and a great player in his own right, made the round of 16 of the U.S. Open. He was playing number five, and he went 33-0 and 0, uh, my freshman year. So I never was able to move up. Uh, I, I was stuck at the number six position. Uh, and then, you know, at number four, we had Kelly Jones, who was number one in the world in doubles and won two tour events and was top 100 in singles and a great player and great coach as well. So we had, we had a stacked team. But uh, my sophomore year, I did well and played number two and finished ninth in the country in college. And then my junior year, I had a very difficult year, was uh, not even ranked. I, I was injured pretty much the entire year, played very few matches, lost all my confidence, uh, came back my senior year. I switched rackets the first week that I arrived back on campus from a small head racket to a, a larger Prince racket that I had never seen before at the time. I was like, I, could, I felt like I couldn't miss a ball. Uh, and then went, went, went on a tear and went 55 and two and was number one in the country in college since throughout the entire year. And so it was, it was quite a turnaround, um, but it was really more of a mental turnaround um, and, 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 from help from Kelly Jones, actually, who gave me this book to read before the season started, which I read, and it really, really helped me and uh, put me on the right track and um, had, a, had a really, uh, really good uh, finish to, to my college career.
Yes, you did. And then obviously you continued on to the pro tour and, you know, we, you know, and we can't control when we were born. So I guess you could blame your parents for the type of uh, the, the year you were born, because when you went on pro tour, when you went on to the pro tour, um, you were there with, with arguably, I mean, not even arguably the greatest U S uh, generation of tennis players there were in the likes of Andre, Jim, Pete, Michael, um, you know, you know, you know, all that list. And sure. I mean, I remember one specific match, and you could talk a little bit more about generally going uh, going on tour with those guys. But I remember 1989. I was 14 years old, and uh, as most kids during that time, uh, when Andre was starting to take off, we all loved Andre. And I remember at the U.S. Open, you played him in the first round in 1989. And of course, I was a big Andre guy, but I'm like, you know what? This kid's local. This kid's right near where I grew up. This is pretty <laughs> awesome. So. I'll kind of let you run with um, your experience with that match along with some of your experiences on Pro Tour. Sure, sure. So, so I, I had a fantastic senior year, playing great, tons of confidence, go out on the Pro Tour and, and struggled. It was, it was not an easy transition. I think a lot of players find that, uh, that you're going out there, you're, you're getting beat up every single week, um, you know, struggled with a couple injuries, lost some confidence, was not playing well uh, that first year. Um, and, but, you know, I, I was able to get through the qualifying in, in 89. I got a wild card in 88 from winning the NCAA tournament. I qualified in 89. Uh, I think I qualified on a Saturday. Uh, and they told me that evening that I was going to play Agassi first round in the stadium and on, on Tuesday. So I knew I had a couple days. I was thinking about it. Um, you know, I grew up with a very tough tennis father who is, uh, you know, very, very difficult to say the least. One of the tougher tennis parents that you could ever imagine. And so um, you know, a lot of negativity. Um, and so I, I had a lot of negative thoughts in my head as a tennis player. I was very hard on myself. I was a perfectionist. Everything going through my head was mostly negative. Uh, the book that I referred to my senior year really kind of flipped the tables and everything became positive. But then I reverted after the after my uh, senior year when I got back on tour, when I started getting beat up on the tour, I started reverting back to that negativity. And I, I was in a really bad state of mind uh, going into that U.S. Open, believe it or not. I, I don't know how I got through the qualifying. So I was really stressed out knowing I was going to play Agassi in front of a lot of play, uh, people, obviously, in, the, in, in center court. And, uh, you know, my dad was there. I, I, was, I was just not prepared to play, to, sit, to, to, to put it lightly. And so I walked out on the court and I remember literally shaking, walking from the tunnel onto the court to my chair, looking around, thinking, how in the world am I going to play here? There's just no way um, I can get through this. Um, this isn't, this I, isn't I, court one. This isn't playing one singles at Glenbrook North right now. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I was not prepared for the moment. I didn't know how to handle it. I wasn't mature enough. Uh, you know, and again, with all the negative thoughts and stuff, I, w I was – really terrified of, of, of the situation. And so I ended up losing uh, six, three, the first set, second set, uh, got it into a tiebreaker. I was up five, one in the tiebreaker. I was changing sides and I thought, Holy smokes, if I win these next two points, you know, I'm going to have to be out here another two sets. So I had a lot of bad thoughts going through my head. I ended up losing that tiebreaker and losing six. So in about 10 minutes, and, and I, I just, all I wanted to do was get off the court. So the, I'm, I, I'm explaining the story because that was really the turning point for me when I knew I needed to get some help with some, with some uh, sports psychologists. And I sought out Jim Lair, who's one of, was at the time, one of the top sports psychologists, an amazing guy. I spent a lot of time with him. 
uh, and he really helped me turn my career around. And so um, from that point on, I was able to handle the situations a lot better. And, and uh, you know, like, you know, being in the situation when I was playing Becker, Edberg, and Lendl, all these other guys, and being on center court at Grand Slams, I was able to, you know, handle the situation a lot better and obviously revel in that moment instead of being terrified of it. And, and uh, you know, it was a great experience for me. As, as, as negative as it was, it really helps me now as a coach to understand the other side of things and knowing what players are going through on the court, maybe to not maybe not to that extreme that I was at, but I know players are dealing with their own demons, whatever they may be at, whatever level it is. And, and, and I see that, I understand it. I know what they're feeling and I'm able to help them um, just because I've been there. Um, you know, it hasn't been all roses for me. I've, I've been through, you know, the depths of despair to the greatest heights. So I've, I've run the whole gamut of emotions on a tennis court and it, it's, uh, it, it's really helped me as a coach. Yeah, and I mean, when you did make that flip, I mean, you did get up to as high as uh, 85, top 100 in the world. You beat all those guys, again, Becker, Lindbergh, Lendl, Edward Grafter, among a, a lot of others. We mentioned those four because they were number one in the world at one, one point. It's amazing how mental this sport is, and I think golf is even worse. It's, it's, it's harder in golf just because, yeah. think about it, you're out on the course for, I don't know, three, four hours, and you're actually hitting the ball for, I don't know, 20 minutes maybe, and you have right. all this time for in between the ears and – and tennis right. and golf, it's so, so important. Um, Very and it's difficult. great that you Ten- were able – it was great that you were able to recognize that and get help when you did and, and go on to have a good career. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tell my players, um, look, tennis is a brutal sport. It is very, very difficult. And it's okay to have these types of emotions. It's, it's normal, you know, but let's work on trying to improve it and figure out ways to get better. You're going to have negative emotions coming in. You're going to be scared. You're going to be nervous at times. You're going to choke at times. It's just, this is part of the game. It's a very, very difficult sport. Yes. One of the toughest in the world, if not the toughest sport not only with the physical aspects of it, but the mental aspect is very difficult. And so, um, you know, it, uh, giving them the break to say, it's okay to have these types of feelings, but let's figure out ways to, to get better at it. Because you can, you can obviously improve. And even no matter how bad things are, you can always work on your mental side and, and make adjustments and, and, and get better. Without a doubt. Thank you for sharing that. So after you are done playing professionally, you go into coaching and I think you went into coaching right away and you were at a, you were at a few stops and then you left the industry as a whole um, for a few years and then you came back. So kind of walk us through um, that part of your, your coaching and career journey. Yeah, my, my journey is very different than most. Um, uh, I went back to Pepperdine to, to get my degree. I still had a year uh, to, to earn my degree. So I went back after I finished playing on the tour. I had uh, surgery on both my knees that ended my career. I had a lot of injuries, unfortunately, when I was playing, but injuries did end my career early. Um, I went back to Pepperdine when I was about 30 years old to get my degree. At, the, at that time, right when I arrived, Glenn Bassett, who used to be the head coach at UCLA, was the head coach at Pepperdine. And he retired. He decided to step away. Uh, and so the assistant coach, they made him the interim head coach. And they were looking for an assistant coach. And I was there going to school. And so I, I said, hey, can I help out? I would love to be the assistant coach. So I, I, I did that for a year. I earned my degree. Um, I decided to move away from Pepperdine. Probably a, a, a bad decision at the time. Looking back, I had a great opportunity. I was an assistant coach there. I love Malibu, but the cost of living was high. I had a bunch of friends in Atlanta, just thought I'm going to move to Atlanta, um, which I did. I, I started off as a physician recruiter. Uh, I had a good friend who owned a company. He said, if you ever need a job, I didn't know really what I was going to do. 
I wasn't 100% sure about college coaching at the time. I enjoyed my year at Pepperdine, but I wanted to just try some other things. That did not work out. Um, at that, right around that time, Kenny Thorne at Georgia Tech, uh, he was looking for an assistant coach, uh, which I did for uh, two years there, had a, gr- had a great time. I was making $13,000 a year as assistant coach at Georgia Tech at the time. I, I, I was like, you know, I, I just, I can't survive here in Atlanta. I mean, I did have some money from the tour, but I was like, yeah, $13,000 a year. I, I, I'm going to try to pursue a career in the finance world, which, which I had a passion for at the time. Uh, stock market and so forth. So I, I became a, a financial advisor. I did a lot of trading, um, but that that was tough. Um, I then became a director of tennis. Uh, an opportunity uh, was available in Atlanta. I did that for five years. Was able to make some decent money, but not really passionate about it. Um, didn't really enjoy it. I and and throughout this entire time, I knew college coaching was really where I needed to be. Um, you know, I, I kept on, I had this in my, my gut, this burning desire to get back into college coaching. So I, I, I then attempted to get back into college coaching. I got the head coaching job at Cornell. Um, I was up in Ithaca. Uh, I was engaged at the time, uh, two young stepdaughters to be, and just the situation from a, from a family standpoint, it just did not work out. Um, just from school systems to weather to my wife, just would not have been happy up there. The family would have been miserable. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was a tough tough decision for me to get out of college coaching at that point because I knew that's what I really wanted to do. But yet, I had to step away from Cornell because it wasn't going to work with my soon to be wife. And so I had to really it wasn't an ultimatum from her, but it was coming from me. I chose my family. I got out of college coaching. I knew that could have been the death sentence for me at that point, that uh, that could have been the end of my college coaching career, because it's a very tough industry to break into. It really is difficult um, to get your foot foot in the door. So I went back to Atlanta so my stepdaughters could finish their schooling um, there. Uh, I went back into trading. I traded for another eight to 10 years or so, eight years. Uh, I taught some some, uh, juniors on the side after the market closed uh, and just was biding my time to try to attempt it one more time once my girls went to college. So once I started going to college, I told my wife, I said, honey, it's time. You're going to, you're going to follow me wherever I go. I have to do this. This is what I really want to do. I, I have a real burning desire to be a great college coach and I want to do this. And so she's, she's like, let's do it. So I tried for about a year, year and a half trying to get my foot in the door couldn't get one person to respond to me. Not a single coach would respond to me. And it was, it was really tough. I thought there's no, no, no one will give me an opportunity. I was 50 years old or 49 at the time, not the age to try to get back in as an assistant coach. Uh, no one really cared about my, my background as a player. They could care less at this point. They were like, why, why were you in and out of college tennis so many times? They didn't trust my, my, my desires at that point. They weren't sure what my angle was. Um, and so I, I cold called George Husack at uh, Alabama and just told him that I, I'm dying to get back into college coaching. My wife is a graduate of Alabama. She loves Tuscaloosa. It was very close to Atlanta where her family, ha- where she still has some family. And he said, look, you know, I don't have a position open. If Ryler DeHart, who my assistant ever leaves, I'm not going to fire him. But if he ever leaves, I, I would be willing to talk with you. Turns out six months later, Ryler took the job at Florida State as an assistant. So the position opened just by chance. And so 
you know, the, the tennis gods were looking down at me and he called me and said, Hey, why don't you come to Tuscaloosa? Let's talk. So we talked, I ended up getting the position and I told him, I said, look, you're not getting any assistant here. I said, you're going to get a guy that's going to work, you know, 10 times harder than anyone you could ever dream of because the fire was burning so bright. And I had such a desire to make a mark on college tennis from, from the, from day one. And, you know, I worked tireless, tirelessly, excuse me, for, for those three years at Alabama to really have an impact on the team and the program and the players. And, uh, and through that hard work, we were able to go from a team ranked 77 in the country, finishing last in the SEC for five years in a row when I got there, to my second year making the round of 16 of the NCAA. Uh, beating Georgia for the first time in 15 years to my third year being a top 20 team for the entire season. So we really turned the program around, um, you know, quickly. And that caught the attention of some athletic directors. And, um, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to get, ha have an interview with Clemson when that position opened up and, um, you know, couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity that I have now. I mean, I was, I was very fortunate to get this position. I mean, there are a lot of great candidates going after the job. Um, a lot of very qualified, excellent coaches that could, could have done an amazing job here as well. Um, but, you know, thanks to the administration and Dan Radakovich and Stephanie Ellison to give me this, this opportunity is uh, really a dream come true for me. And, just like I felt going into the Alabama position that I'm going to do whatever I can to make my mark here quickly at, at Clemson. I'm not, you know, a 32 year old young coach coming in who's got time to work their way up and build their resume. I'm, I'm going at it from, you know, pedal to the metal as hard as I can um, every day because I, you know, I have a limited time and I want to, I want to do great things here at Clemson and help this program and help the players that are coming in here achieve their potential and get on the pro tour and do great things and, and uh, give back to give back to these players. Cause I have a lot of, a lot of passion, a lot of energy and a lot of knowledge of the game that I want to give back to, to these, these young men who are coming in here. My favorite, my favorite part of doing all these interviews with coaches and players and, and whatnot, whoever's been on the podcast before is just hearing people's journeys and, and everybody's journey is, is so different and yours is so cool. And, you know, a lot of times it takes some, sometimes for you to step out, try something else to figure out, well, maybe that's not it. And this is what I really want to do. Sometimes it takes a while. And again, um, appreciate you sharing your experiences like that. The, the other thing, and I know it's a huge asset that, that you have in your back pocket, is that you've been through it all. Whether it's the high school, a great junior career, a great college career, a great pro career, you've beaten four or five former number one players in the world. That has to be an unbelievable recruiting um, tool that you use. Your team recently, um, I think, was the number two uh, recruiting class that you just have for the 2020-2021 um, college season coming up. So you have that. You're also at a, at a great university. You know, we were talking as we were prepping before, you know, I went to the University of Kansas. I'm spoiled. I think we have the greatest basketball environment there is. As far as Clemson University, I will say it is the coolest entrance in any sport where the football team, they board their buses at street level, the ground level. They take that slow ride up to the top of the stadium. The adrenaline, the intensity is just building and building. You want to run through a wall and they come down to the top of the stadium through the fans. I'm getting chill bumps thinking about it because, again, it, I'm such a huge sports fan. It is 
the coolest entrance in all of college sports. I know you love that as well. It, it, it is amazing. And uh, like I said, I mean, Clemson's a fantastic place. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a small town with a family environment. And we have the best, uh, you know, if not Dabo or, or uh, you know, Saban, we, we're one of the best, co- the best coach in the country here for, for football. And so the, the bar set very, very high for all the coaches and all the different sports here to, to have a program as, as, uh, as great as Dabo's. And not just from an athletic standpoint, but from an academic standpoint, he sets the bar very, very high from that standpoint as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think my playing background uh, helps in recruiting uh, for sure. I mean, I, I obviously use that as a recruiting part of the recruiting process. Um, I think that um, just my, my energy and my passion sort of comes through when I do talk to the players. I think they, they feel it. They, they get a sense that I'm really excited about the program and what we're building here. And I, I, I surrounded myself with, uh, you know, a great assistant coach and Matt Walters, who was at Mississippi State and uh, more, more recently was at Central Florida. He was coaching at IMG for, for a while as well. He played at Arkansas. He's an incredible person, uh, one of the best recruiters in the country as well. So, you know, I'm very fortunate to have him. And between the two of us, uh, you know, we, we hit the recruiting trail hard. And, um, you know, I, I think Clemson, uh, the highest ranking they've ever had in, in the recruiting polls was number 23 uh, in 2012. And that was the only time they've ever been in the top 25. And so, you know, I, I, feel, I feel fortunate enough to, to have a good class coming in and to be ranked number two. I know that's just step number one. Uh, we have a lot of work to do ahead. I'm excited about the, the ranking, but that doesn't mean much. It doesn't correlate into a high ranking um and and success it just it's it's a very good foundation and a great start and now we have to build with the players that that are coming in and and hopefully we can have a lot of success ahead coach this was uh this was awesome i know you're really busy and i really appreciate you taking the time to do this i know we've talked for a while now i was looking forward to uh getting you on here just to kind of go through your career and again we have something in common being local and, and you playing at the high school where i'm currently coaching um, I know it's kind of crazy right now, so I just want to wish you, your family, your squad, you know, everyone be safe, and, and we'll get through this sooner rather than later, and, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be back to playing some sports in the fall, hopefully. I, I hope so. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate you having me on, and, and keep doing your great work. Thanks, Coach. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.